tokusatsu, taking the form of many shows including Super Sentai, Kamen Rider, and Metal Heroes. And today, a group of fans come together to review it for you as Toku Secrets. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Toku Secrets Podcast, presented by AnimeSecrets.org. I'm your host, Nathan Desaw, Yellow Owl. And today we are continuing our journey through Chojin Sentai Jetman, our flight, if you will. Uh, we are now going to be covering uh, pretty much all the remaining episodes we have left before we get into the four-part in-game arc. So in this case, it's episodes 33 through 47. Um, of course, we have the whole crew here again, so uh, I'll give the whole crew a second to introduce themselves. So go ahead, guys. Hey, so I'm Black Condor, also known as Ridge, and I'm joined by... Um, I'm Patrick, and I'm still Shinkin Red. All right. I'm also known as Green Eagle. And we have the whole crew here. That's good. Um, so uh, we have quite a few episodes, uh, roughly 15. So this is going to be a slightly longer podcast. So uh, let's just jump right in. Um, I'll give a brief recap of uh, the things that happened in the previous, uh, previous uh, podcast. Um, so the Jetman received their second mech. A, uh, it's a bird-like ship called the Bird Garuda, which can transform into the Jet Garuda. They obtained this from a group of warriors um, who came from the reverse dimension. Uh, they were killed by Radigat, though. Uh, Jet Garuda can combine with Jet Icarus to form Great Icarus, which is like their super robo for this season. Uh, for the first time in uh, Sentai history, a, we got a third mech, in this case Tetra Boy, which is this quick and agile boxing robot with artificial intelligence. So no one pilots it, it just goes by itself. And it can transform into a cannon called the Tetra Buster. Um... The Viren briefly upgraded their biodimensional bug to uh, create more powerful biodimensional beasts, which are like half animal, half inanimate object. And uh, we got a three-parter where several things happened. Uh, Guy and Kaori finally got together when Guy attempted to give his life for her, while Ryu discovered uh, what actually happened to his girlfriend, Rie. She was turned into Maria. And uh, pretty much that three-parter concluded with... Uh, the jet, pretty much among everything else, the Jetman, uh, after, you know, spending over half the series engulfed in all this internal drama and fighting, they have finally, you know, acknowledged themselves as friends and they consider themselves a five-man team. Very heartfelt moment in the last episode we watched. So that brings us to where we are now. Uh, we are going to start with episode 33. It's a cockroach. This is a filler episode that's kind of dedicated to Ryu. Um, so uh, we'll go over this briefly. Um, so in this episode, the Jetman are in need of new weapons when their current ones are rendered useless by a cockroach glue monster called the Adhesive Cockroach. Um, and they have these new weapons, these blasters called the Smash Bombers. Um, but they can't use them because the blueprints uh, were lost when their creator was killed 
when the Earth ship blew up. So, and he left the designs in the um, care of his daughter. And the entire episode is Ryu trying to uh, be all buddy buddy with the with the girl Mika, but she doesn't want to give them to Ryu because she resents her dad because he neglected her. Uh, the scientist that designed the Beak Smashers is briefly seen in a flashback. Uh, he is portrayed by Daisuke Ban, who previously portrayed Makoto Jin, the second Battle Cossack in Battle Fever J. So it's cool. We got another uh, former Sentai Ranger actor here. Um, that pretty much sums up this episode. Nothing major. Um, it's kind of a stock filler episode, but uh, I, I th I'm going to open up the discussion now. Uh, how, um, I guess I'll just pick someone at random. Uh, Riz, you want to start off? Give your thoughts on this episode? Yeah, so honestly, I didn't really care about this episode all that much. I mean, yeah, it's Rio-centric, but honestly, I don't know. I think I'd, I'm turned off by the fact that it was a cockroach monster, and I don't like cockroaches to begin with. But also, uh, it wasn't that memorable to me, honestly. Like, it was cool to have, you know, the new weapon come into play, and it was nice to, you know, have Mika's story in this. But overall, this isn't an episode I'm going to remember because it's just not that memorable to me at all. Like, it just wasn't done as well as it could have been. But that's my opinion. Uh, Anthony, you want to go in? Or Patrick? Whoever? I'll go. Okay. This episode was just okay at best. I only remember the cool weapons because of how, how the the way the the shots are. Because like it it just zigzags onto its target. With the, even if you miss, it still hits the target, which is actually pretty cool in my personal opinion. Other than that, I don't really see anything interesting about this episode at all. So yeah, it was alright. And Patrick, yeah, it's it's just typical Jetman filler flare. Introduce a new weapon, like yeah, the visuals on the uh, the attack are cool, but not, there's nothing else else to say about it. Yeah, I mean, there is this cool moment at the beginning, which kind of acknowledges what happens in the previous episode, where uh, we see Ryu and uh, Guy at a bar, and they're like, you know, toasting their friendship or something. But it's like for two seconds, and doesn't even end up impacting the rest of the episode. That's probably the only thing I remember about this. Um, it was a cool scene, though. Uh, I, I don't know. Right now, with uh, the notes that I have here, uh, I'm going off like the thoughts that I have after I watched the episode. I gave this one like a five. What about you guys? I give it a five, too. I'll, I'll give it a four or five, because, again, this isn't something that will define Jetman, and it wasn't that engaging. I mean, we all agree. It's typical filler with nothing really going for it. Yeah, yeah pretty much. What about you, Patrick? You're great. You're yeah. rating? Yeah, it's about the same as everyone else. It's average as okay. average you can get. All right. Cool. Uh, then we can move on to the uh, episode 34, uh, Ryu the Traitor, another filler episode, uh, Ryu-centric. Um, 
this episode is kind of a mystery episode where Ryu um, looks like he's betraying the Jetman when he makes a deal with Grey. He steals the schematics and uh, her Tetra Boy and in exchange for uh, Rie's freedom. Uh, and, pre- and most of the episode is uh, the Jetman, the other Jetman trying to figure out what's going on with him, but then it turns out it was just a plot for them to uh, to um, kind of uh, infiltrate the Viren's base, although it doesn't end up going anywhere. Like, they try to destroy the um, the uh, device that allows the Viren to uh, travel between the two dimensions and nothing happens. I mean, I, I thought it was entertaining. I think some of the action is uh, pretty great. And, uh, I mean, I like the acknowledgement of Ryu's relationship with Maria, but... I mean, it's not as good as it could have been. But what about you guys? What are your thoughts? This really should have been, I think, maybe either a two-parter or a full arc. Because mm-hmm. they, they've painted Ryu as being a bit desperate at times after finding out that who Maria is. And they, this, this could have been an interesting like two-three-parter or something. But yeah, it just got relegated mm-hmm. to a throwaway one-off episode. So yeah, yeah. agreed. Like, I want to like this episode because I thought the deception and the mystery of Ryu was cool. But honestly, Patrick's right. This should have been a two-parter minimum, three-parter mm-hmm. if we're going for like the gold. And it it just. It resolved too quickly, I felt, to be anything more than filler. I know, because this was the first time they had ever stepped foot in the Virum's head base, and it was just treated yes. as whatever moment. Yeah. Oh, okay, this is, the, this is the equivalent of the Rangers just teleporting into the moon base and saying hi to Reader Repulse and Lord Zed. And yeah. then bailing. Yeah. And then bailing with no consequence. Like, no... You know, you don't do that. That that's just not possible. You know, like what's uh, really annoying is that, like, they report back to Aya at the end of this episode, and they report that they failed to destroy it. But Aya thinks, okay, sure, we failed, but the fact that we infiltrated it all—that's a big win. And they hint as if they're going to do it again. And spoiler alert: they never attempt to do that thing again. Yeah. So. It's just that that always got on my nerves. Like, because eh, spoiler alert, um, that this whole thing of them infiltrating the Virum's base doesn't really play a part in the in-game story arc either. So, no. yeah, it's it just it's pointless. Yeah. Also, screw Ryu for giving up Tetra Boy. That's my favorite mechanist Sentai. Oh, Ooh. really? Yeah, I like Tetra Boy a lot. I like the way he jumps and like he just looks very energetic and just like exactly. Bounces. How could you not like an energetic droid? Yeah, pretty cool. It's it was just I I love Tetra Boy. I, I know we're going on a tangent here talking about the mechs right now, but Tetra Boy is literally my boy. Okay, <laughs> and <laughs> for you to give Tetra Boy up for your girlfriend who's turned evil, I mean, no. Give up Icarus or Garuda if you gotta, but not Tetra Boy. It, 
I was gonna, I was gonna say something, but I was like, I don't know if that'll be too cheesy for me to say right now because I'm do like, do it, Ugh. do it, do it, do it. It's Robo Bros before hoes, man. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's perfect. The only thing that would make Pepper Boy uh, just a little bit better is if he tops like Liner Boy from Go Go Five. So <laughs> I'm tempted to make this a caption on the podcast now. Robo Bros before hoes. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I would get flagged for that. People are going to click on this episode. What the heck happens here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, what is this? <laughs> Toku Secrets After Dark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I was worried because I was like, I don't know if that's really, like, PG friendly to say. Because, like, yeah. you know. Eh, that work. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. It's fine. Okay. Like, um, should have had Boy be able to talk. But I will say this though: this was a better, like, fake traitor episode than like a certain episode of Overdrive that I will not discuss right now because I really annoy, annoy and hate it. Well, moving on. <laughs> um, I'm gonna give this episode a six. I think. Yeah, I agree. Six. Yeah. I give it being, a sixteen. Yeah, for being a massive tease. Yeah. <laughs> ooh, ooh, wait. That means we go to my favorite, one of my favorite episodes from this bats. I'm excited now. Really? I like this one. Episode thirty-five. Yeah. All right. Um. This one is called "The Courage to Fight," given by a dove. Um, it's a filler Akko centric episode. Um, the, um, not much happens. Uh, it's basically just a plot of the day where uh, Akko befriends a little girl who is crippled, and uh, but she's able to talk to doves. And the whole episode is her trying to uh, um, help the little girl find the courage to uh, go through this operation that can cure her. Uh, you know what, Riz? You said this is like one of your favorite episodes, so go ahead, like just explain it. Not much happens. Not much happens, Nate. Do you have no heart? A lot of things happened here. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. What's so much passion about this? Go ahead. Akko, offensive over here. <laughs> Akko, for once in her life, had a meaningful character-centric episode, and. I honestly, for the first time, feel like we got to see Akko as a character and not just a filler for the suit. Um, I love this episode because, one, it gives Akko something to do. It shows Akko's humanity and empathy that she can relate to this girl who's going through this tough time. I also liked the storyline of the little girl um, struggling to deal with you know, the courage to come up and do her operations she has to do to get better, and how she forms this weird bond with the dove that, honestly, this bond did not exist according to the rules of this world. Like, the fact that she can co-inhabit a dove's body and can see what the dove sees from miles and miles away while she's still in the hospital room. That didn't happen, but it's still a really beautiful thing 
because it gives her hope and it gives her a reason to keep going because if she didn't have to dove, I don't know if she would have made it this long as, a, you know, fighting whatever illness she had. And Akko stepping in and helping and encouraging her and all that, that's a that's a big thing for Akko's character, in my opinion. And I, nothing happens, Nate, really. Should have said that. <laughs> you were you were looking you were looking a lot deeper into it. I didn't I didn't think you would get that much out of this episode, but I'm glad that you got something out of it. Well, this is one of my favorite episodes I've seen so far. I mean in the season, honestly. Um, it's not as good as like the three-parter that we had prior, but it's still pretty damn up there in my opinion. Yeah, I think it uh, that, I mean, okay, I got a little bit annoyed when I first watched it because it tries to give another environmental message because like there's scenes where like we see people like dumping toxic waste into the lake, which that's how, uh, that's how the Viram creates their, uh, monster in this, uh, episode who looks a little bit like Chuck E. Cheese, by the way. Um, okay, but we can all agree the environmental message push they're doing in this season is still eons better than what we got in Wild Force. Force, yes. It's better than Captain Planet is better than that. Okay, hey, maybe not. Bad, plan but... is my jam. Okay, don't don't insult my man. All right, all right. Man, you're going after my people today. <laughs> um. Yeah, that you know, hearing about what like Riz has to say, taking that deeper look, I actually have a bit of a on this episode. Then, but uh, what about uh, Patrick and Anthony? What did you guys think of this episode? You can go first. Um. Yeah, I think. Thing on the head that Otto finally gets something because uh, for the season that, like I said, it's very uh, biased towards two characters on its cast. To finally have one for one of the characters that gets left in the dust is welcomed. <laughs> That's all I really have to say about it. Riz pretty much said everything else. <laughs> yeah. And Anthony? This episode, um, the fact that like this is like the first, I think it's one of the coolest times where like uh, I think this I forget how does 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 a character who gets temporary blindness does is that like something that really happens in Sentai or no temporary blindness? What do you mean? Like with with what happened, to Akko, she couldn't she couldn't see for a full while. I think I. I'm not sure. Oh, it could I don't be, know but if it's common or not, but it happened. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that she had to like rely on you know, found the little girl to help her. That was actually pretty good too. And then you have the scene with her actually getting the pilot the mech. That was actually pretty cool too. Because like I know that's probably some kid's dream. Like I just want to pilot a giant robot. You know, so she's in my dream. So. <laughs> Also, here's a hot take from Riz. Y'all ready for this one? Go ahead. I like this kid more than like the the kid in in space that Carlos had to befriend. Oh yeah. <laughs> what was her name? A... Sylvie. Yeah, Sylvie. Yeah. That's not a, that's not a very high bar though. 
It isn't, but <laughs> this is the template for how you do an episode like that. Because you actually let the kid into the cockpit of the Megazord and let her use the levers and be a superhero for all of five minutes. I mean, that's a huge thing to give a kid hey, a kid, Do you want to go into the vacuum of space with no helmet? That <laughs> <laughs> was so stupid. Yeah, that, that was not to remind me of it. I forgot about that, actually. You have fun of all people be the one that discovers Andros' battleizer? <laughs> yeah, I, I just wanted to bring that up. That always bothered that still, me. That still to me was like, I, they actually happened in the show. Like, oh my god. Like, this little girl is the reason why I have a battleizer. <laughs> I don't mind that she's the one who discovered the battleizer. It's actually, that's not my complaint. Yeah, yeah, I know. She was an annoying character. Yeah. What do we want to give this uh, Jetman episode? A 9.5, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Passive aggressive rating. <laughs> I'd go for a 7. Yeah, that about all lines it. up for me. Anthony? I'm going to give it an 8. Okay, cool. Uh, well, the filler episodes are done for a brief moment. We have a two-parter here um, uh, for episodes 36 and 37. Uh, this is the introduction of a new villain. Well, sort of. We'll get into that. Um, so, in episode 36, um, Toran ta um, attempts to... Uh, Take, uh, so basically, Toran is angry at the other Viram belittling him because he's a child, and he creates this ant monster that turns people into these like ravenous uh, humans, including Kaori. They all get like this endless appetite. Um, the Jetman foil his plan in episode thirty-six, which um, and then they hesitate to uh, kill Toran because he's just a kid and. Toran gets incredibly angry at this and goes and like flees under a waterfall and he becomes so angry that his emotions cause him to undergo this massive growth that transforms him into his adult form, uh, Tranza. So Toran is no more. He is now uh, Tranza. Um, and that leads into the second part, episode 37, where uh, Tranza, after spending like the first half of the episode uh, toying with the Jetman, uh, he pretty much uh, spend, he, you know, basically beats the Jetman down into submission and then goes into the Viram and declares himself emperor of the Viram. So at least for the time being, he is now the uh, acting boss of the Viram, although... The other Viram are just acknowledging him grudgingly. Um, a brief fun fact, uh, Tranza's actor, Yutaka Hirose, is a... I guess at this point you could say that he was kind of a veteran actor at playing a lot of villainous and anti-heroic roles um, because he had um, some major roles. Uh, he played uh, Lewanda, who was a general for the Mess Empire in Shinsei Flashman. Uh, side note, I literally just finished watching Flashman like two, day two days ago. It's a really great Sentai. I think we're going to have to take a look at it here on the Tokyo Secrets podcast at some point. Um, 
He also played a Kenji Sugi, Sugigata slash Dr. Kemp, who is one of the uh, main villains of Choju Sentai Live Man, another Sentai we're going to take a look at. Um, and this was a slightly smaller role because he only appeared in nine episodes, but he was still a major character. Uh, he was the character Jin Matoba in Die Ranger, who's like this anti-hero martial artist guy. So yeah, he, he's been around the block with Sentai. Um, the first thing I want to say about this, uh, briefly, I want to uh, kind of just kick it off. Uh, episode 36 uh, literally begins with... Um, so the side plot with the Jetman is that Aya is taking them on like some vacation out like in the country or something. And I love episodes like that. I remember Car Ranger did something similar too, because uh, in Car Ranger, they're, uh, they're bot they all work at a garage and their boss takes them on vacation. I don't know why I like episodes like that where the Rangers go on vacation and like have a, like a change of scenery. I, I just, I don't know. I really like that because I just think it shows them more. It's just a fun way. In some ways, it kind of is a vacation, you know, fun way to just uh, watch them like get a home away from home. Uh, um, we have an obligatory fan service moment in this episode. Uh, there's a point where the Jetmen are all, uh, at like a hot spring and they're like in hot tubs and like Aya, uh, the women are in one hot tub and then the guys are in the other. And <laughs> there's a point where a guy and right to try to peek at them. And then they trick Ryu into like looking over the fence and then pushing him in there. That was I mean, I know that Guy and Ryu are friends now, but that was a that was a funny prank, don't you guys think? It's about in line with what you'd expect Guy to do at this point. Yeah, now that they're friends, it it's a pretty much in line. Yeah, there's a very disturbing scene in the first part of this where everyone is like going hungry and try to eat everything. Where this little girl is looking for her dog, and then her mom gets put under the spell, and then... Okay, we don't see this actually happen on the screen, thank God, but the woman eats the dog. It's disturbing. Okay. Ugh. Yeah, no, oh. I'm, I'm surprised they put that on TV. children like one of the earlier episodes, so I'm not really surprised. There is one other thing I want to mention. Uh, I mean, you guys can say your pieces, but uh, there's a point where uh, the Jetmen are all sleeping and uh, Raita is having a dream about someone. Uh, hey, Raita, uh, don't pretend like we didn't hear you dreaming about your girl, Satsuki. Don't pretend like we didn't hear that. Because, yeah, I mean, he and Satsuki are better together. And enough with this. Okay, well, I mean, I guess since Guy and Kaori are now technically together, like, he and he and Kaori can't do anything. But yeah, right, to, don't pretend like we didn't hear that, you know? Better than, better than his love triangle with uh, old girl, at least, so I'm glad he's over her, at least, that. But uh, what did you guys think uh, about uh, this two-parter with uh, the debut of Tronza? This, this is kind of when the the gas pedal gets stepped on because everything from here until the end I th think is where Jetman really hits its stride. Mm -hmm. Um 
it, it's always been good because uh, Tron was kind of the the least interesting of the four Viram generals up to this point. At least to me, he was. And there was always something about him. Like it was, there was like some missing details with this guy, and for him to just snap, and now he's just. I guess head and shoulders stronger than everyone else and just forces himself into the position of power and how he's it, it, it adds another wedge into a villain faction that's already been pretty chaotic internally since the start and again that's one of the reasons why I love this group of villains so much is because there's always something amongst them and this is like the main uh, obstacle that they have to get through within their own ranks. Yeah. And and uh, just kind of speaking ahead a little bit, I'm so glad they let Transa stick around for more than just a few episodes. I mean, yeah. we, we talked we talked about that a little bit the last time with the the old empress and the interdimensional uh I forgot what their names were. Um, the, the reverse dimension warriors. Yeah, the worst yeah. reverse dimension warriors. The fact that Transa stays like this and sticks around for what the better part of like eight episodes, eight, nine, ten episodes or something is. Yeah, we got exactly ten episodes left in this yeah, video, okay. and yeah, exactly. The last, it's yeah. it's very welcomed, and it makes this whole stretch of episodes a lot more interesting and engaging because of it. Yeah. And and I think Tranza like just adds something like I like how they make it clear that Tranza is more like powerful than Toran is, but he still kinda has a little bit of that childish edge that he had when he was Toran because there are scenes where he's just going around and screwing with the Jetman for very petty reasons. Like there's this scene where women are trying to hit on guy and then Tranza transforms into a guy that's like, well. Oh, you think you're great with women? Well, I can be better. And then he starts like marrying those women away. And like, I see more Raita's eating some noodles off a plate. And he's like, Oh, you think you can eat a lot of noodles? Well, I can eat more. So he's, he, he's, he's still a child. He's legitimately intimidating at times too, just because of how, yeah. how casual he is about all of this. Because the others have always been like, just, they just appear basically curse them out and then attack them, but he walks up to him in a biker's jacket and just one-ups them. Like, <laughs> but, yeah. What's this guy's deal? <laughs> what about uh, Riz and Anthony? What did you guys think, uh, especially with Tronza in these, uh, in these episodes? First. Uh, I want to say that, wow, like, I'm not going to lie to y'all, Tron really got on my freaking nerves when he was a little kid, because I'm just like, this kid's pretty annoying. I'm just like, can you just like go away now? But now that he's you know all grown up, it's like wow. Like he went from being an annoying little you know rat to being kind of like an Avengers level, Avengers level threat. Yes, I didn't make an Avengers reference. Get over it. <laughs> but but yeah, that's that, that's legit what it is. Like he's legit a threat now. Where uh, but then I talked about ahead of times when they're like. Oh, we're not gonna attack you because you're a kid. But then there have been times where they have attacked Tron when he was a kid. But I don't know. That that could be like a weird. Man, am I am I am I, am I over exaggerating things when I say that? Or no, I think that's accurate. Okay. So I thought I was. Crazy. I was like, what? Okay, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so my two cents 
on this two-parter. Huh? Get it? Two stands, two-parter. Boo. Um, <laughs> this, like Patrick said, this is where Jetman begins to sign a lot more. Like, up until this point, there have been some good episodes here and there, but for the most part, I would kind of say that Jetman, up until this episode, had been kind of an average Sentai. Sorry, Nate. But (laughs) this is where it stops being average and things get intense and I'm loving it. So Torin didn't bug me like it did Anthony. Like he was just there. And honestly, he, he was just another guy in the background being a villain, doing villain stuff. But the minute he turned into Tronzo, dude, the threat level threat level hit an 11 from like what I would consider the Viram threat to have been like an eight before they, they have a, he went to an 11 on that scale out of 10 because he just, he was just more menacing. Like he just exuded the type of energy you would expect from a mainline villain in the series. Like up until now, the most, threatening of the Virum, probably Radigate. What do y'all think? Before now. Radigate. It it would definitely be Radigate, yeah. Like, and Radigate, I mean, he's threatening on his own, right? But he was nowhere near as menacing as Tronza is becoming here. In my opinion, anyway. And I think this is probably the... No, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's all I had, really. This might actually be the be- probably the best example I can think of uh, a villain who starts off as like a child aging into an adult villain. Because, um, okay, I... We're looking at you, Sprocket. Yeah, right. I know. I know Sprocket becomes Prince Gaskin in O-Ranger, but... Okay, I want to like that, but it's O-Ranger, so I don't know if I can praise it that much. Uh-huh. Uh it was one of the best parts of O-Ranger, though. Yes, it was. Does that say he, much? I mean, once he got upgraded up until the end, O-Ranger, that was the best O-Ranger was, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it salvaged that trash of a season. <laughs> Very much did it. <laughs> the, the only other example I, I can think of, and they're both pretty similar, is when uh, Impus becomes Olympius and Lightspeed Rescue. But, uh, but honestly, like... Even Lightspeed Rescue itself kind of tries to go out of its way to establish that Olympias is not as powerful as Diabolico, and he's kind of insecure with himself. While with Tronza, he has no insecurity. It's like he is a legitimately threatening guy. Like, yeah. you feel like the threat has been upped. While with Olympias, I never got the idea that, like, the demons were more dangerous with him than with Diabolico. So... It was yeah, like that the first five seconds he was fighting against the Rangers, but after that, he was just kind of just like, eh. I don't, so, know, I don't know how it worked in GoGo 5, but in Lightspeed Rescue, it really felt like that he put a wedge in the, the demons. Here, it legitim- in Jetman here, it literally legitimately feels like that it split this into a three-team thing. Because yeah. Yeah, Radigate, Gray, and Maria were almost like... Uh, their own team against him and the Jetman. And mm-hmm. 
it, like I said, it adds another just crazy dynamic to these villains. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, why do we want to give this two-parter? I'd say a solid 9 out of 10. Yeah, 9. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You agree, Anthony? Yeah. All right, cool. All right, we agree 9 out of 10 for this big thing. Twanza is awesome. Every now and then um, we can all agree on something. It's amazing. Yeah. Right. We can agree on some things. Sometimes. <laughs> all right, we got two filler episodes next. Um, uh, episode 38, Sudden Hammer, um, a Ryu-centric filler episode. Uh, in this episode, uh, the Jetman capture one of the Virum's biodimensional bugs, and they want to have it analyzed by a scientist so they can figure out the secrets behind it. Um, one of Ryu's friends that works for the scientist, his name is Yanagi, um, we find out that he's been envious of always living in Ryu's shadow. Um, so he tries to take it for his own glory, and uh, that causes problems when Tronza attacks to try and, you know, prevent the Jetman from learning about the biodimensional bug. A fun fact about Yanagi is that he is played by actor Haruki Hamada, who was previously uh, Hiryu Surugi, who was a Change Dragon, or the Red Ranger from uh, Dengeki Sentai Change Man. It was kind of weird me watching this episode because I watched this episode like literally a few days after I finished watching Change Man. So it was weird seeing this actor in a new character already. Uh, what's funny is that um, he makes a brief, uh, it's kind of a tongue in cheek moment, uh, like an inside joke where we see a flashback where he's talking with Ryu before he uh, joins uh, Sky Force, where. Uh, uh, Yanagi calls uh, Sky Force, um, he calls it like an Earth Defense Force, which is an inside joke because the military organization that the Change Man worked for is called the Earth Defense Force. And he says, huh, Earth Defense Force, I'd like to join that someday. So this is like the equivalent of like, uh, I don't know, maybe SPD makes a sequel series and uh, you have... Uh, Brandon J. McLaurin coming back, not to play Jack, but a completely different character. And he's like, hmm, SPD, maybe I'll join that someday. This, so That kind of jab reminds me of uh, in the Go Kaiser Go Buster movie where uh, Beat Buster was inside Magic King and he was like, huh, this one feels familiar to me. Exactly. Uh, I, wonder, <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> like that scene from... Uh, the uh, Go Kaiser 10 years later movie where uh, uh, the guy who plays um, that, that same actor played a commentator who was commentated on the Battle Royale. And we see the Maji Yellow and Beat Buster Ranger keys get defeated. I and mean, he's like, oh, man, I was rooting for those guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know I was, too. I was, too. Yeah. What did you guys think of this episode? It, it just seemed like a pretty stock filler to me. Yeah, so because I'm going to I'm going to lay out my thoughts real quick cuz they're pretty simple. Mm. This episode should have been rewritten to go with the cockroach episode and have it be a two-parter where um Ryu's friend Yanagi is envious of them finding the biodimensional bug mm. and he's the one that ends up giving them the weapon that they needed at the end there. Rather than this random, like they could have made it a two-parter and done something really fun with it. 
can yeah, see, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Like the fact that they didn't do something like that kind of bugs me more because that that had potential. If you take those two and put them together. But like I said, because and didn't handle filler episodes very well, and <laughs> that doesn't. No, and like because of that, this is as Patrick says, standard Jetman filler that won't yeah. really impact anything. Taking your words out from you. <laughs> I'm not wrong, right? <laughs> no, you're not wrong. I mean, literally, this is just stock filler at this point for the series. You can tell this is an episode they threw in to meet the episode count quota. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably give this like a 6 out of 10. Not much else. But what did, what did everybody else think? Yeah, 5 or 4. I give it a five or four as well. I'm gonna give it a five, oh, five of um, five as well. But like, my thing is, is that this felt like a like the same situation we had with the traitorous Ryu episode, where like interesting concept, but nothing comes out of it in the end. And it's like, why did you do this again? <laughs> you had an interesting concept. Okay, they find dimensional dimensional bug. And they want to test it and, and study it to see what its weakness is, but nothing ever comes out of it. They just get rid of it and they never attempt to do this again. It's like, why? Mm-hmm. I can already tell that I'm going to, like, you know, use this to their advantage in a later episode because they never, they, never, they never use this concept again. Yeah. It's like, it's just weird that, that that they did this twice. Like they had interesting interesting ideas, but they don't never like do anything as far as like, the end goal, in game goals. You know. Mm-hmm. Do we want to move on to the next one now, or does anybody else have anything to say? No, I'm good to move on. Okay, cool. Uh, next up, filler episode, uh, guy centric episode. Uh, episode 39, it's called Spin Roulette of Life. In this episode, um, <clears throat> all the Jetman except Guy are turned into statues by Gray's latest monster. While, and uh, when Guy steals Gray's heart circuit, um, Gray challenges Guy to a roulette showdown where uh, you know Guy has to put up the uh, pieces of his heart circuit while he puts up the statues. So it's basically one big gambling episode. Um, it's simple, but I like this episode. I mean, I think... Uh, I Well, first of all, we get some Guy and Kaori moments at the beginning. I think it's really nice how, you know, they're talking about, uh, you know, what they can do as, like, be a real couple after the Virum is defeated. Subtle stuff, but it's fine. Uh, and, I don't know, I just think in general, like, this is a great episode for Gray's right, like with um, you know them having like a showdown, but not in like a one-on-one fight. They do it in a much different way. I just think, and I especially think that the way that Guy outsmarts Gray at the end of this episode is really cool. So it's subtle and it's simple, but I actually really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, Gray and Guy's rivalry is one of the, the one of the more fun ones in the series. Because mm-hmm. they're so they're so smug towards one another. <laughs> Agreed. 
and in, in any episode where guy has the spotlight it's always good because uh, the the whole thing of the it zooming out and showing was it Tetra Boy holding the entire casino up? Yeah, it was just hilarious. It was, <laughs> it was hilarious. Well, like, I'm so to give an explanation on what happened, uh, so they're playing roulette, and uh, the thing is, is that Gray is constantly cheating by using his robot mind to successfully predict with, like, you know, calculations where the ball will land. And what happens is that guy secretly has Tetra Boy tilt the casino so that it will naturally fall exactly where Guy <laughs> predicts it'll fall. That's kind of clever. It's hilarious. Yeah, what were you going to say, Riz? I'm sorry. I have 100% forgotten, but it's okay. Um, my, my assessment of this episode is that Guy good makes for good story. I don't care that it's filler. Give me more. Yeah. Do, do you think his moment with Kaori at the beginning was a, was good? Yeah. I mean, okay, so talking about the relation up until now, because stuff happens later, um, I like the subtle interactions you see with Guy and Kaori. It's not overly obvious they're dating. Like, I actually remember watching this episode or the episode before. I'm like, you know, Guy and Kyrie went through this whole thing and they became a couple, but they're not really interacting a lot. And in this episode, oh, look, they are interacting and they're addressing the elephant in the room here. Okay, good. I'm, I'm happy for them. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, I still felt like, I don't know. I think Guy and Kyrie's relationship has some work to do. Because Guy and her are so different, and you'll see a lot more of that in the coming episodes. We'll talk more about it. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, you want to add anything? Oh, the, oh my, yes. Can we just talk about how like this is actually my favorite episode of all time? Yeah, I, had, I had a feeling after like what you said about that Go Kaiser card episode, this was probably going to be one of your favorites. Oh, yeah, totally. So, like, just the fact, because I don't know what it is. It's either in anime or it's either in television, whichever. Whenever they do an episode about gambling, I'm all eyes and ears for it. I don't know why. It's just just so interesting to me. Because, like, sure, like, watching the real-life gambling stuff, yeah, that's, that's not interesting to me at all. But when you watch it through, like, a television show or, like, movie or, like, anything in general that's that's interesting to me because it's it, the way they do it and how they set up is just so amazing um for instance uh, i i risk risking my back up on this one in Jewel bizarre adventure part three there was a gambling episode for that one where like you know there's they're playing cards or whatever but it's the most intense thing you will ever see if you ever chance to watch this show you're like wow they actually made just them playing cards look so crazy interesting and just makes it look so dramatic and so like full of tension you know and this was felt like one of those like one of those times where like stuff was actually like getting intense even though it was just a, like you know just a, a roulette table but yeah overall definitely my favorite episode and i love the fact that guy outsmarts gray using tetra boy that was 
the highlight. I was like, oh, snap, that's how he won? I was like, yo, dope. Give me more of this. That's clever. Anthony, I'm going to tangent here for a minute. Because i got to ask you something. <clears throat> Have you ever watched the Kaiji Ultimate Gambler anime? No, but I've heard of it. I need to watch it. Okay, I've watched it all, and you need to get your you need to go watch that. Like I need to. I really need to. Hearing I, you talk about this in such excitement, I feel like you would love the twenty four episode series Kaiji the Ultimate Gambler. And I think there's even a sequel they made after it. I haven't I watched think, it. Yeah, I need to watch it then. But definitely go watch it. It's gonna be right up your alley. And for those that are out there that like gambling, first, there's a number you can call to get help. But second, <laughs> this anime is really good. So check it out. Well, I, de- I definitely will. Yeah. Uh, I'd give this episode, uh, the gambling episode, about a 9 out of 10. I'm going to give it an 8.5. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Give a, I'll give it a 9 myself. And Anthony? Nine plus. <laughs> you can give it a 10 if you want. Go ahead. You can give it a 10. No, it's no, 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 10 plus. There. 10 plus. Okay. All right. You went there. I People went- want to say an episode is perfect and want to give it a 10 out of 10. Go ahead. Nobody's stopping you. I just want to go, um, go, go above a 10. You know, I, I want to go 11, but I'll, t- I'll do 10 plus. Yeah. Okay, that works. Uh, next up, we get a two-part episode. Um, but by the way, there's there's literally like um, there's we have no more filler episodes left. That's not to say that we don't have any single-part episodes because we do. But the filler episodes are basically done. Well, okay, there's one more, but uh, but anyway, um, the next one we get a two-parter. Um, episode forty. It's in order. Change the Sentai. In episode 41, uh, Transformation Impossible, The Base Destroyed. Um, in this two-parter, uh, Radigate creates a, another monster called the Meteor BEM out of a meteor made of metal that is able to counter the Jetman's Burdonic Waves. Uh, the Jetman pretty much lose their powers when the, uh, when the monster absorbs their Burdonic Waves, and... They get defeated. I mean, no, no, not defeated. Um, they get replaced by a new team of Jetman called the Neo Jetmen, who are um, under the command of Ayas Superior uh, Supreme Commander Akira Ichijo. Um, Ichijo previous has a grudge against Aya for getting assigned as the commander of the Jetman over him. And uh, in the second part, he actually... Uh, he um he kicks the Jetman out because they disobeyed him and uh, lies to them, saying that they can't recover their powers. Um, while at the same time, Tronza uses the meteor to infiltrate the Jetman's base. Um, the Neo Jetman. Um, at so a couple of uh two of these actors are have either worked on Sentai before. Well, okay, they all have, but in different ways. Um. The leader of the Neo Jetman, and they're not given colors, they're all in like standard black suits, so J1, J2, J3, 4, and 5. Uh, J1, is, his actor is Yuta Mochizuki. 
who in the very next, we get once again another Sin uh, Ranger who will be in the next Sentai. Uh, he will play Geki, Tyranno Ranger, and Kiryu Sentai Geo Ranger. So we get another sort of pseudo crossover between Jetman and Geo Ranger. And, and more so in this case, because he actually interacts with the Jetman a lot. Um, uh, J2's actor, uh, Ryuji Kasahara, um, he actually did some work with Mochizuki because he did a few, uh, he appeared in a few uh, musicals for uh, Sailor Moon. Um, and the reason why that's significant is because Mochizuki played a tuxedo mask in a couple of Sailor Moon musicals, so he kind of worked alongside Mochizuki. Uh, J3 and 4 are just suit actors. Um, J5's actress played a, uh, a general in Flashman. Um, you know, I, I want to say something about this episode. I, I get the feeling um, that this episode may have been one of the inspirations for the Lightspeed Rescue episode Cyborg Rangers, because uh, Cyborg Rangers, by the way, that was not uh, an episode taken from GoGo5. Like, the monster suit in the Megazord battle was taken from GoGo5, but the Cyborg Rangers, like, that whole plot is 100% original. Part of me thinks maybe this episode might have been an inspiration for that. Like, someone of a higher command than the Rangers' mentor decides to intervene and creates his own team, but that team doesn't work out. I like to think that. There's some speculation that there was a Mega Ranger episode, too, where they try to um, replace the Mega Rangers with, like, some AI thing. But I think that this episode is also an inspiration for that. Um, but uh, I, I can... What do you guys think of this one? The, what do you think of this episode? Anybody can just start off. Whoever wants to go first. I really hate uh, these kind of uh, episodes with military-based teams where someone comes in, it's like, no, you guys aren't doing a good enough job. So here's my people, and it's 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 just such a tiring trope for me, and it's because it's just annoying watching stupid people be stupid. Yeah, <laughs> to, to be perfectly blunt, the only time any of these seasons have done a thing where another team has come in to kind of replace the current team was when SPD did it, but it was a very, very different approach to that. Um, and it worked. Yeah, and it worked really well. Um, but this, they don't get anything really new out of this either. So, like, usually when they do something like this, a two-parter like this, there's always something that comes out of it at the end, but the upgrades of, oh, they can deflect Verdonic uh, wave draining abilities and everything. Yeah, it's never brought up again, so who cares? <laughs> this, this, why was this a two-parter? It, <laughs> it had no reason to be a two-parter. And I, I also can't buy, I can't buy the Neo Jetman as being more impressive than the actual Jetman, because their suits, like, you can see their faces under their helmets when they're supposedly, I'm going to put up air quotes, more. So, yeah, those, like... They didn't look nearly as advanced. Like, at the very least, like, you know, take 
the Jetman suits and like I don't know, like make some filter out of it. Like you could take the Jetman suits, but like cover the white I- color, the white areas black or something. Like just do something because those suits don't look. Im- uh, now they're not the worst things I've ever seen. That would be the Dark Rangers from that. We know more two parter. We don't talk about that. Yeah, of course we do. Don't talk about that. <laughs> you know, but yeah, they like the jet. If I were to like watch the Jetman battle the Neo Jetman, the Jetman looked more impressive just as Rangers. I just can't take this seriously. And, and, and I think the, the, the thing that really gets under my skin is that. Commander Ichijo is a jerk this whole episode. Like, like he is like he is arrogant and he clearly holds a grudge against Aya. What I hate is that we don't see him get his comeuppance at the end. Like they just like he just gets knocked out when the base is invaded. And the all we get is that Aya says, Oh, he's been he's fine, but he's been like relieved of command or something. Like, can we see him get fired? Because he's a jerk to everyone in this episode. I want to see him get fired. Yeah, no. Is it, the, world, the world is at danger, and you're here to mess up the Earth's defense force to get your own... to get back for a petty grudge you have? What a... Can someone run this guy over with a truck? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just come and just like screw this guy. I mean, I'm not one to root for people dying, but could the monster of the day just have killed him? Because nothing bad would have happened. Yes, yes, get him, get him. No, 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 man, wait, don't save him yet. I'm not gonna say he deserved it. I'm saying he really deserved it. (laughs) (laughs) Or I don't know, like. Could he? Does he seem like the guy that would accidentally walk into the path of like one of the jet? Like maybe the Jetman are practicing shooting their blasters. Does he seem like the kind of guy that would accidentally walk into the path of their fire? I'm just no, saying that could happen. No more could happen. Assuming someone doesn't push him. <laughs> Oops! <laughs> Oops! My hand slipped. <laughs> I did not like this dude at all. I was just like, oh, I want to punch him in the face. No, that's why I'm glad Ryu did it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, yes, finally. But I, yeah, I, I, was like, hey, I, I have to agree with you on this. This did remind me of the Lightning Rescue episode with the um the, the cyborg robot rangers or whatever. And I was just like, wait, is, is that what, is that what, is, did the Jetman inspire this to Lightning Rescue when that happened? I was like, even the Lightspeed Rescue episode is better because at least the Lightspeed Rescue episode ends with General McKnight admitting that he was an idiot and mm-hmm. agreeing that he won't interfere anymore. Like, he gives yeah. his respect to the Rangers at the end. I also yeah. want to say that Lightspeed placed it at a better point in the season because this episode really would have worked pretty well, like, like episode maybe 15 or something-ish when the Jetman's team synergy was... A, a literal dumpster fire and yeah. the, the yeah. generals saw that their team chemistry was actually going to make this a problem so he comes in and tries to fix it and then this turns into a team bonding episode but they say yeah that would have been perfect I'm just right, not thinking that Dude. right here when their, their synergy is at its best okay 
Yeah, this is probably the worst two-parter episode we've gotten. Yes, to be honest. It's just, it's just he, he just ruined it for me. The, the, the general, the commander guy, he just ruined it for me. Even before I watch, even before this little rewatch, I, I always disliked this episode. Even when I watched it for the first time. So, but what did you think, Chris? Yeah, I was about to say, um, I wanted to like this a lot. I really want to like it because I thought it was cool to see a military-esque version of the Jetman come in and, you know, because honestly, you gave these powers to a farmer, a high school girl, a guy who is basically the Fonz and doesn't really care about anything except, you know, whatever. And... He tell me he's not the Fonz. I've never heard anybody describe him like that. <laughs> but am I wrong? No, and that's why I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> okay. So, so the only person in their group who could feasibly have been a Jetman if the accident didn't happen was Ryu. The other four they weren't meant to be Zetman. Yeah. So, you know, having a military group step in some episodes later when they get everything resettled could have been a very interesting plot. Mm-hmm. It could have it could have done something. Like if they had stretched this out over like four or five episodes and they made general mini face into something more, you know, interesting. This could have been very interesting because the Jetman would then have to prove we're better than these guys, and here's why. Like, you know, they kind of did in this, but not really. They didn't show that they that they earned the power and they deserved to have it. Also, am I the only one that was wondering if these five bozos that they picked to be the Neo Jetman actually had Burdonic waves hit them at some point? Because there is nothing even remotely close to how the Jetman are after to get their power. Like, those suits are so crap. Yeah. <laughs> like, you really gonna tell me that's another Sentai team? Because I think not, bud. I think yeah. literally he hired five people and said, hey, I want you to pilot the big mech and I want you to use your weapons and fire and go pew pew pew. But they weren't up to the challenge of being Jetman because they weren't properly trained for it. Not to say that these four were either, but at least they underwent training after they became Jetman to learn how to use the mechs and how to fight and how to use the weapons and all that. They had time to get good, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, but there was never that time for these guys, I don't think. So... I wanted to like it. I wanted the story to be better developed, but it wasn't, and it sucked. <laughs> yeah, again, yeah. I, I think this would have been a lot better if it was placed 20 to 25 episodes earlier in the season. Yeah. Honestly, it, would have, it could have made for one of the best episodes in the series. Yeah, exactly. With, especially with how, like I said, with how crap their team chemistry was at the time. This could have been a good yeah. thing. Your team right now, isn't functional here's functional and then they they kind of like overcome their own inner 
adversity to prove that they're a better team. Yeah. I don't know. Like, the more I see of Jetman, the more I think that Patrick is right, but he's not fully right. They don't have a problem telling character stories. They have a problem telling stories. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's so many missed opportunities. Like, every episode we talk yeah. about, for the most part, there's a complaint of the story or the development. Yeah, and I've started noticing that on the watch-through. This is a very good character-driven series, but the actual story is all over the place, I guess. I yeah. mean, okay, so at this point, at the end of episode 41, we have had not one, not two, but three separate groups of people come in and assist the Jetman as potentially extra rangers or whatever. But none of them, none of them are really given the time and dedication mm-hmm. to do anything beyond oh, hey, here's a new Zord, or hey, here's adversity with Captain Dickhead, or, you know, whatever. Like, they're there for, like, such a certain period of time that they have no impact. Like, nothing that happened in this two-parter, spoilers, will impact the rest of the season, I don't think. No. And I haven't seen the ending yet, but nothing has changed after this happened. Yeah. I mean... This this could have not happened and it have been fine. And the same thing is true for the other team-up. Like, if we hadn't met the other Dimension people, we lost nothing of value. Yeah, I know. And it, it bugs me that because, like, typically when you bring in a second group, like A-Squad and B-Squad, when the A-Squad Rangers came back, there was a purpose. They were there to antagonize the B-Squad. The Psycho Rangers, when they came in, they were definitely there to raise some hell. You know, like... Mm-hmm. There are times when a second team comes in and they can clean sop and help the characters develop and the story develop more. But in this case, none of that really hits fruition to me. Yeah, it, it's just a victim of how Sentai writing was at the time, unfortunately. Yeah, but I also have heard some good stuff about other older Sentai, and it leads me to think that they might have had better writing than this. Well, I mean, I did just finish watching another Sentai that's considered like one of the best of the 80s, uh, Flashman, yeah. which it is. I do love Flashman, and I do think that we should... Um, take a look at it uh, here on the show, but that also does have some flaws that I feel like wouldn't have been there if it was released, like, today, or, like, maybe even in the 2000s. So, I think in general that older Sentais are just kind of held back by, like, just how writing quality was at the time. And, I mean, part of the problem is if you tried to release Jetman today, I don't think it would have been successful either. Because part of the Sarma Jetman are the characters and how they are back then. Like, mm-hmm. the character of Guy would never float floated today. He'd been canceled almost immediately. Yeah. Um, Kyori would not be that interesting. She'd just be another... She'd be written as, like, a self-entitled millennial or something. Like, 
nothing super interesting. Like, like I think Jetman came at the right time, and it suffered some fatal faults with the times of with writing yeah. and all that. But I don't think it could have been good today. Like, if it was just released now. Yeah. Uh, I I could probably put a bit of a counter argument to that because I haven't seen I haven't seen many or much of a lot of the Sentai since like let's say Zooger. Mm-hmm. Um but it seems like modern day Sentai have a problem of not making the Rangers themselves very civilian. So a season then, like huh? I was gonna make a counterpoint to your counterpoint, but go ahead. I think a season like Jetman would actually be a bit of fresh air for Sentai right now if they did something like this. At least with its characters and kind of their role in the world. I'm gonna make a comment based off of my watching 20 episodes of Zenkaiser and Anthony feel free to jump in. Mm-hmm. But I think the Zenkaiser cast. It's pretty dang good overall. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not talking like, about like the quality of the writing. I'm talking about like you have a, a team of Sentai that half most of them are, are mechs, and then you got another one where half of them are animal people, and then you got another one where they're all from space. Like the Jetman are all just like casual civilians brought into something bigger than them and they have to adjust to it. Sentai doesn't do anything like that anymore. That is true. We haven't seen that since probably yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I think Jetman would be a, a breath Kier of fresh Ranger, air. Maybe? You think it was Kier Ranger the last one? To do something like that? Yeah. Probably. Because Tokyo either I'm not even gonna comment on and Inzer sucks, so I'm not gonna comment on it. <laughs> um the other they were from another dimension for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Major from another parent, like another planet, I think. Yeah. Here are all mostly aliens as well. Mm-hmm. Actually, Majors all all the protagonists were actually human. But they're humans from another planet, right? No. Wasn't uh, there a mentor from another planet? Yes, that's what it was. The mentor was from I another thought, planet. I thought they were like a royalty. No. Planet. No? They're not royalty they're from all, another planet? I'm mixing that up? No, they're all from Earth. What the heck am I thinking of? You said Kira Major, right? Yeah. Yeah, Kira Major's the What you're probably thinking is that, like, okay, one of the characters, uh, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put like a like a small spoiler warning this is like not a big spoiler but i'm gonna like try to like to explain it best i can so one of the characters in the show is in fact quote-unquote human but something happens to this human to where he somewhat becomes an alien kinda but it's better explained if you actually watch the show okay i'll, I'll yeah. take your word for it i'm gonna watch it at some point yeah it's, same here. It's, really good. it's a really good watch yeah, but uh, I I think that this uh, just to go back on the main topic, uh, I think the Neo Jetman, well, like three out of ten, I guess. Yeah, I'll yeah. give it that. Okay, yeah, it's, it's, I I don't like this episode, or at least this 
two parts. Yeah. Like like what we were saying earlier, if it was like twenty five episodes earlier, it could have had the potential to be the best two parter in the season. But yeah. where it is here, it's pointless. Even even when I was first watching this, I I didn't like it. I liked everything with Jetman, but this one really rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, do you agree? Uh, I give it a three two only because that freaking commander. I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they do say that when you hate a character as much as you're hating on him, Anthony, that he did his job as a character really freaking well. Then he did. Yeah. I can. So, I think that's a plus for the episodes, honestly. Oh, yeah. Well, thankfully, the next episode is actually a very good episode. Um, episode 42, Sleep on My Chest. Um, I don't think this... I, don't, I wouldn't call this a Philly episode because it does, it does hint at something that's going to come in the next two-parter, and it also kind of sets a little bit of something that'll play a part in the in-game arc. Um, so it's called Sleep on My Chest, episode 42. Um, so in this episode, uh, Maria gets injured in battle, and Gray tries to nurse, nurse her back to health, but he can't in his state as a robot. Uh, and at the same time, uh, well, okay, it's hard to describe this plot in a couple of sentences because a lot happens. So Tronza reveals that he wants to create a powerful robot to defeat the Jetman, which is going to play a part in our next big two-parter. Um, but he creates the prototype for a robot called G2, who kind of develops like a little brother relationship with, uh, with Gray. Um, and um, we get a brief scene where Guy and Kaori are showing signs of their relationship not working because... They're very different people, but then pretty much the rest of the episode is Gray trying to nurse uh, Maria back to health, but she gets really cold because it's raining, and Gray can't do anything because he's a robot, so he literally leaves her unconscious in the care of Ryu, uh, because Ryu shows up trying to uh, help, uh, trying to uh, get her back so that he can turn her back into Rie again. And he leaves her, and there's, like, this really emotional scene where, like, Gray is standing out in the middle of the rain, and he's just, like, looking down, and he's just, like, I couldn't help Maria when I should have. Like, it's a very powerful moment. Um, And that's why I love this episode, because I have have no idea where this episode is going to go. So, like, it starts off with, like, G2 shows up, and... You think, oh, okay, so this is just going to be one of those episodes where, uh, you know, this not-so-evil monster shows up and the Jetman befriend him. But that's not the episode. Instead, like, the entire episode gets taken over revolving around Gray and Maria's relationship. And I gotta give it kudos, because it this gives more character development for Gray. Like, I don't know, I, 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 would, I love this episode. I, I kind of just glanced over it when I watched it like the first two times I watched Jetman, but looking at it now, it's re- it's a great episode. This is probably a really amazing villain episode. And like, what did you guys think? This this one of the episodes that reminds me why just jumping ahead to like end of season character analysis. Gray is probably my favorite villain 
come out of this season. Because he's very unique in the fact that he's like sophisticated yet quiet. He's not hockey, but then he also has a very soft side to him. And usually robot villains and Sentai are depicted as just like bloodthirsty maniacs. <laughs> but Gray is I, I I like to call him suave. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes, absolutely. That makes, makes any sense. And I I've always loved his characterization. And this episode kind of brings all that to the forefront where he's he hates that he's a robot because he can't properly care for the the person he loves. And it's it's pretty heavy, and it's like you really it, like. Why are they making me feel things for the bad guys? <laughs> exactly. It's like that yeah. scene where uh, Scorpius dies in Trakina's arms, and yeah. Trakina's all like, "No!" And you're like, "Oh, this is sad." And wait a minute, these are the bad guys. Why do we feel sorry for them? But this this episode also has one of the best, I guess, cinematography moments of the season, where it's nighttime and it's in the rain. You just see him staying there with his eyes glowing, like deep in thought like it's 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 a really really well done episode absolutely uh riz anthony you want to add anything i'll say something first so this was a very well well written episode um the fact that like this i, I love the fact that that like it's more development for Maria and Gray. And I also feel so bad for that robot because I'm like, wow, like G2? Yes, like, oh my God. He gets created and then abused the whole episode and he's just trying to be nice. Like, it's okay, buddy. Like, it's going to be fine. Like, and then what happens to him in the end is just also tragic. It's like, dang, like he just, like no one even knew knew where he was. And they just, they just, they was just, he just, he's just gone. Yeah. Uh, Riz. They did my man G two dirty. Yes, they did. Yeah. <laughs> um, overall, the boy. What? Yeah, pouring <laughs> up one out for the boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we have to because the, he deserves it, man. That that was yeah. tragic to me. Um, overall, this is one of the better written episodes of Jetman writers. Why wasn't this more consistently done? Like y'all have already said everything else I want to say here, so I'm left just saying that. Well, I think it's better written because it's character centric. When Jetman tries to write things character centric, it's it's amazing, but it doesn't always do that. Not the love squared one. Mm. Yeah, I give this a ten out of ten. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I'm giving it's it a, a nine. Yeah, it's a ten just because gray. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a nine. Okay. Yeah, great episode. Um. Next up, we get an episode that actually revolves around Aya, believe it or not, the mentor, uh, called Sneak Into the Commander's Body. Um, 
where uh, in this episode, uh, so Tron, at the beginning of this episode, uh, we find out that Tronza is almost about to complete his giant robot. So Radigat determined to defeat the Jetman before Tronza can do it, because that's what Radigat does. He's a, he's a petty jerk. Um, he brainwashes Aya with the biodimensional beast and tries to use her to uh, try to kill the Jetman and uh, by, like, you know, sabotaging their weapons and, you know, trying to destroy their changers. Um, there's a brief scene where we get some more Guy and Kaori drama where Guy uh, is brought to meet Kaori's parents and he gets frustrated because of how judgmental they are and he storms out. Um, it, it's subtle. It, it doesn't play a huge part in the rest of the episode. Um, what did you guys think about this one? I mean, I think it's cool that Aya gets a focus episode, but what about you guys? What do you think? Honestly, this is like filler to me. Sorry, Anthony, go ahead. Oh, you're good. I don't have much to say, really. It was just, it was all right. It just felt like a lot of filler. And at this point in the season, to be getting Aya characterization, it just feels too late to really matter. Mm-hmm. I just think it was badass when she pilots Jet Garuda by herself, though. Oh, that yeah, was, that, that was, was, that was badass. <laughs> but, but I feel like it's still a little too little too late mm-hmm. like and i can see I that and i don't see aya really any differently next episode like this hadn't really added anything to her in my opinion so to me this is just standard jetman filler honestly like what yeah. it really to what happens next there's a couple of stupid comments i want to make first of all did she seriously try to microwave their braces to destroy them Dude, okay. What were they? What were they smoking when they thought that was a good idea? Yeah, mm-hmm. put them in for wrap them in a paper towel for five minutes. Okay. Here, here, here's a here's a thing you wouldn't say on American TV. Hey, kids, here's how you heat up your morphers. Yeah. <laughs> Take it out of box. <laughs> um, and the part where they had to go inside for the fight the thing. I was that stupid magic school bus theme was playing in my head the whole time. I don't know. Oh, yeah. oh my <laughs> god. I can't yeah. see that now. <laughs> I can't unsee this. It's it's there. It's done. We're game over guys. And then like and then the, uh, the third thing thing. Did okay. it seem like why didn't they okay. So when they get uh attacked by uh the Viram during their little training exercise thing where like the commander had told him like, Hey, uh, I am going to upgrade your weapons or whatever. So you can take more, so they can, it can yeah. survive more damage or whatever. And none of them thought it was suspicious that like, she just didn't uh, unhook their shackles and just let them get attacked and didn't do nothing. Yeah. I was thinking it too. Like Ryu doesn't even react. Like, why didn't you release us immediately? Yeah. He just, what he just take, he takes the controls, releases the others, and then tells Aya to run away. I'm like, I'm like, wait, 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 hold on. What's what's your deal? And then she would have ran off. That would have been that would have been better, better if I had written it that way. But that's just me. And what does Kaori know all about like these energy readings? And like, how does she figure out how to shrink 
their mech down? Like, how does Kaori, of all people, figure that out? That was just weird. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) But I think the the important thing to get out of this episode, though, is that we're finally starting to see that this whole Guy Kiori thing isn't really panning out because they are Guy is starting to realize that he bit off more than he can chew here. He is not a part of that high class lifestyle. And well this this is what I was saying in a very early episode. Like I think in our first podcast we did on Jetman. Guy doesn't know Kyori. Guy has no idea about her. He saw a pretty girl. He got infatuated with her, and Love Square shenanigans began. Now, if it was this guy for the entire season chasing her, and they got together, that's cool. But the fact that they wrote the story in such a way that it devolved into that mess of a Love Square, it bugs me. And honestly, I feel really justified now in my annoyance from earlier. Like, because it was- this it's obvious that he doesn't belong in that world and he doesn't want to be in that world. Like it, this was never, this was never outright stated in the show in any way. This is just kind of how I perceived it. He saw that she liked Ryu and wanted to one up him by, yes, by making her attracted to him as like a ha ha. Now that he's done it, he's like, Oh crap. This isn't, this isn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that and that's my complaint is that they yeah, I cared. Can also, I can also long. see I can also see Guy being this this kind of petty though. No, he could definitely be that kind of petty. I'm I'm not disputing that. Yeah. What I'm disputing is that okay, if they had done it without the love square and he chased you for the first 10, 15 episodes, she finally said, Yeah, I want to date you. And then he started to realize for like the next 20 episodes, crap, what am I in? And then like they break up around episode 40. That would have been a better story than what we got. Yeah. Yeah, because they did kind of hit this whole guy doesn't gel with this lifestyle thing kind of suddenly. Not that you mentioned Yeah, that. like they had stuff before where she says like, oh, you have to eat a certain way at the table or whatever, but again, too little, too late. Yeah. Like, that that's the lesson I'm getting from all these different storylines that are kind of coming up now, is that it should have been done a lot sooner. Yeah. It's sort of like one of those things where, like, you, you crave something so, so bad, and you finally get, you're just like, Oh, this is it? Yeah. I thought it'd be better than this. And, like, look, I could definitely see a world where Guy and Kyrie make it work, and they're, you know, able to overcome the odds and become a couple that could go all the way. Mm. But that would have required a lot more storytelling from a very early point. Like, and a bit more focus on that relationship rather than the... I, I know I complain about this all the time, but that love square should not have happened. Yeah. And because it happened, we get a subpar story here for these two where we could have had something really great instead. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I'd give the Commander's Body episode like maybe a 6 out of 10. Yeah. What about Rizzo? I'd give it around a five, I think. Okay. Uh, all right. Next up, we got a two-parter, uh, which kind of bit, which is kind of the um, kind of a build up, uh, the payoff from uh, what's been built up these last uh, two episodes with Tronza, you know, creating his ultimate weapon. Um, in this two-parter, Tronza creates a giant robot called Veronica. Um, and uh, part one, he uh, captures a lot of civilians because uh, Veronica is powered where uh, civilians are trapped inside and he absor- and she absorbs their life energy to get powered up. Um, and he, go- he sends Veronica after the Jetman, during which he easily walks through the Jetman. Um, like, it beats down Great Icarus pretty badly. Uh, but the plane gets foiled because he has the Jetman cornered, and uh, he's ready to defeat them. But Radigat, being Radigat, um, tries to take control, and, you know, it ruins the plan to defeat the Jetman. Um, all the Jetman except uh, Ryu and Guy get captured, and then they're used to power up the... Uh, Veronica, and in episode 45, uh, Ryu and Guy work together to uh, fix the Jetman's mechs. Um, and to kind of cut a long story short, the Jetman do defeat Veronica, but they get a little bit of help from... Okay, who else do you think? Radigat, um, Because he is just a petty guy who would rather help the Jetman than watch somebody else defeat them. Uh, he frees Raita, Kaori, and Akko... Um, to help them defeat uh, the great Veronica. And uh, he actually disappears um, from the Virum. He doesn't return with the Virum at the end of this episode. Um, you know, I like this episode. Um, so there's a little bit more drama with Guy and Kaori in the first part where like, they acknowledge that they don't communicate well, but it's, it's just kind of glanced over a little bit. Um, I... I think what I love about this episode, though, is Guy's subtle character development because, you know, he shows a lot of genuine concern, not just for uh, Kaori, but for Raita and Akko as well. So he really does care about his teammates at this point. He's torn up that they're all in pain, and I love that moment. Um, and I love the final scene where, you know, they, they're all at a restaurant and sharing a drink. Like, it really just shows how far their team chemistry has come. So, it's a simple filler episode. Uh, no, 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 not filler. Two-parter episode. Um, obviously, some stuff does change because of, like, the dynamic between Radigan and Tronza. But, I mean, I think this episode does show just how far the Jetman have come as a team. And that's why I really like this episode. Honestly, the most powerful part of this two-parter is the last scene where Guy orders the milk and Ryu orders the alcohol and they swap them. Mm-hmm. That shows how far this team has come, like where they can do stuff like that. Yeah. That was the best part of it, honestly. Like, 
And, and it's great how, you know, Guy and Kaori's drama doesn't play a huge part in this episode. Like, it's great that we have an, a two-part episode that can revolve around the Jetman's freedom, but we don't have to involve any romantic issues that much. Well, I think it's good that they're bringing it up subtly here and there. And they're not just suddenly saying in the last episode, okay, we're breaking up now. Bam. Done. No build-up, nothing. They're, build they're doing some build-up. And I can respect that from a storytelling point of view. Yeah. Uh, you get. You want to add anything, Patrick or Anthony? Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, that uh, scene of him at the pool, where he saw her uh, Kyrie's reflection in the pool. You could tell he was like starting to get upset that it wasn't working, or something. Like he genuinely cared for her, but he was like, "This, I can't. I'm not what she needs." <laughs> like that's kind of what that was implying, and he felt bad about it. Um, yeah. But also, the episode arc where um, where Akko tells her she should have gone with Ryu instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like there's a lot of doubt and like questioning on the tutor's parts on can this really work? Or are we fooling ourselves here? But go ahead. One of the, one of the things want... one of the things I like about this, and it's one of the reasons why I like the whole Taranza thing is that this entire time we haven't really talked about it too much. But I did mention it earlier that him, he kind of split this into a three-team uh, three uh, battle here. And this entire time, Radicate is just doing everything he can <laughs> to, to one-up Taranza, even to the point where just completely giving blowing a chance for them to finally beat the Jetman just so he can get at Tarans. I love how these characters are always at each other's throats, these villains. Like, I, I mentioned this at the start of this uh, season review when I said that these were my favorite villains in Sentai because of that. They're not, like, a well-built evil team. They all hate each other in a way. And their internal sabotaging is a dynamic I love about these guys. Yeah, absolutely amazing villains. Mm -hmm. I mean, from the get-go, we knew they were not going to be unified. We knew that they weren't going to ever get along and that they'd be going after each other to try and get that title of being the Byram leader. Mm -hmm. So we knew this going in, that they were not going to be like a unified threat to the Jetman all at one time. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think I saw this a little bit differently than y'all did, but in some ways, I feel like Transa united the villains ever so slightly, not named Radicate. Radicate, you could not have unified with them to begin with. But, like, Marie and Gray, they don't oppose him as much openly. They may not like him, but they go along with it, because why the hell not? And mm -hmm. I like that. I think that Marie and Gray... They don't, they don't like Transa, but they don't want to stand up against him. And they do get concerned when Radigate gets beat up by him. Oh no, absolutely! Like yeah, so, they, mm -hmm. like absolutely, they they aren't going to help him, but they're not going to get in his way. But they're also going to take the credit 
with him mm -hmm. if he ends up beating the jet man like they're gonna celebrate all together there's no like oh Tronja did this no they're gonna be like oh we did this because they didn't get in the way and they didn't try and one-up him or anything like i feel like they might have if if he had actually defeated the jet man and he claimed the leader the virum role then i think I think no one would have like objected and they would have just fallen in line and said, okay, yeah, now you're our leader. I don't know. I think Maria and Gray would have obeyed with a, a snarl in their voice, but Radigate still would have tried to kill him. Oh no, Radigate would have to be killed if, if he won the title of the Viram leader. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no way Radigate would have survived, but I think Maria and Gray would have obeyed him. And yes, there would have been that little bit of eh about it, you know? Mm. But it wouldn't have been to the point of like dehabilitating the entire thing. Like they would have followed him and done what he said, but they wouldn't like it. Yeah, but the fact that we're going into this much discussion about the villain, because I don't if I know that Nate, you've seen more uh, Sentai than I have, but are there have there been any other Sentai seasons that where the villains have been this antagonistic to one another? Because not that I can think of, honestly. I, yeah, because out of the seasons I've seen, I, I they're. They're usually either the clear leader or they're all on even footing and they all respect one another and, and aid one another. But here, they're just trying to dick each other over. <laughs> Constantly. Yeah, I've never seen this happen in any other Sentai. I can't even I think mean, of a Power Rangers season where this happens. I mean, Lightspeed Rescue kind of did something like this, but it was never to this extent. I was yeah. about to mention Lightspeed Rescue as a good example of it. Yeah. Um, there was a little bit of a grudge, but not to this level in the Zeo era with the Moon Crew versus the uh, Messina Empire. Yeah, if Reed and Zed played a bigger role in Zeo, it would have worked, but... Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. If, if yeah. they didn't play a bigger role because of budget or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, these, that's, these villains are just so different. Yeah, and honestly, they're... I like some of these villains better than other Sentais by quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, I think they did a good job giving a good story for the villains. Mm -hmm. And that's why the hero story kind of sucks at some points, unfortunately. Yeah. How many times are we sitting here saying that the villains were probably better written than the, sen the, the actual Sentai team themselves? Dude, I had no opinion on the... I don't even remember the guy's name anymore from Sinkins. They're like the, the, the main... Doku? Yeah. Yeah, Doku left no impact on me. No. Doku was just some guy that was there. That he, was he, wanted to do. he was a force yeah. more than a villain. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, like the side villains, uh, blanking on the name of that too, like the rival of... Uh, Juzo was really well written. Oh, Bosco yeah. was incredibly written. Bosco is one of my favorite villains in Sentai, hands down. Like, mm -hmm. I haven't found a villain that's come as close to Bosco, like being that good. And the Jetman villains kind of get there, but well, okay, Tronza gets there, but not quite to the level of Bosco. Yeah. Radigat too, but again, not to that level. 
mainly mainly the relationship of Tranza and Radigat is what makes them compelling to make me even say they're in the a minor league below Bosco and the others like that. I think Gray and Maria's relationship is great too. Yes. Oh no, it's definitely great, but it's not like a antagonistic. They feed off each other to make them better villains. Yeah, Gray yeah. and Maria's is more about their relationship and them trying to fall in love, which is great, but it's not defining them as the villain and the threat. Mm -hmm. Like, nobody's sitting there saying, oh, no, Maria and Gray are getting closer. I'm threatened by this. Like, nobody cares outside of those two. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. But Radigat and Tronzo, I mean, they're feeding off each other. Like, they're trying to one-up each other here. So the threat factor of these two combined against Setman is big. Mm -hmm. Now, if we never had Tronzo, Radigat would have been just another run-in-the-mill villain like Dokuku to me, but because Tronzo came in at the end, things are happening now. What do we want to give this uh, Veronica a two-parter? I give it a 9 out of 10. I'm going to go with a 9. I'll probably slap a 7 on it. Anthony? Anthony. I'm gonna give it a nine, but I, I I have to say this right now before before we continue. I have to say that my God, my boy, Radigate has to be the biggest hater in the entire existence of this show. I mean, the good one, because like this dude right here refuses to, to to die or give up. He's like, no, that I'm absorbing his energy. Like he literally absorbed the energy from the robot to himself. How badass is that? You can't... I've never heard any other Sentai villain ever doing this. Ever. And he gets back up again. And again, he has been the most defiant villain. He's like, I'm not letting any other villain outclass me or, or, or top me in any sort of fashion. Yeah, he did it with the Empress. Yeah. And he's doing it again with, with, uh, with Tronza. He's like, nah. Mm -mm, nope. Not with me. Stubbornness and persistence is the two best words to describe the man. <laughs> this dude. He, episodes later. Yeah, <laughs> really. I think hatred is like is is a strong suit. Yeah, and I love that about him. He's like, nah, I refuse to give up. Like, <laughs> we continue now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, we got before we get on to. Probably the biggest episode uh, with the biggest thing that happens. Uh, we got one more filler episode, the very last filler episode, um, called the Great, the Great Demon King of the Tomato Field. This is a Rika-centric episode. Now, there is a little bit of an impact um, in the next episode, because in this episode, we do see Radigat briefly... Uh, uh, wandering through the human world, he gets transformed back into his human form, although this time he uh, maintains his memory and he wants to get revenge on Tronza. But uh, the bulk of this episode is that Tronza's latest monster takes the form of a tomato monster that Raita used to see in his nightmares, and uh, Raita has to overcome his fear of that. Um, this episode is dumb, and I love it. And the reason why I love it is because I can 100% relate to Raita in this episode because we see multiple scenes where, like, 
he remembers having nightmares as a kid where he's like sleeping and then this tomato monster comes out of nowhere. It kind of reminds me of this dream I had when I was like four or five, maybe six years old, where I just remember like having this weird nightmare where like these three giant bees come out of nowhere and they're just like flying all around me and it just like totally freaked me out and I was afraid of bees for like the next couple of years. So I can 100% relate to Raikta in this episode. Um, I mean, other than that, I mean, it's, it, okay. I also love uh, Guy's joke. That actually really made me laugh where, uh, where Raikta's like, con where people are trying to comfort him over uh, uh, him being afraid of tomatoes. And then Guy is all like, well, I mean, you eat tomatoes so much. Maybe tomatoes are angry and they're just here to get revenge on you. Like, <laughs> that's hilarious. This episode is dumb, and I love it. And I, nobody's going to tell me otherwise. I like this episode. But what about you guys? I thought it was hilarious. Like, <laughs> like Rice is like, no, no, tomato monster, get away. And the end, like, what's, what's also interesting is that, like, in the end, he managed to actually overcome his fears and was like, I'm going to eat this thing. <laughs> yeah. What about the other guys? Go first, Ruse. I was going to let you go first, Patrick. I mean, I don't really have much to say about this one, so. Yeah, like, I, it's definitely entertaining in this stupid filler way. But I really wish we had gotten something more engaging for Raita at this point. Because we hadn't seen a good Raita dedicated episode in quite some time. I think not since the episode 20s when he was in the prehistoric times. Yeah. That was the last Raita-centric episode. So I was kind of hoping for something with more depth. Yeah, but especially seeing how this didn't... is the last filler episode of the season. Exactly. So not having that, it kind of lowered my opinion of the episode just a little bit. But I still greatly enjoyed the hide things in the hilarity of the tomato monster. But yeah, I wanted more for Raita. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I like it for selfish reasons but that doesn't mean i'm about to give this like a 10 out of 10 i give it more like a seven it's it's dumb and i think it's entertaining but it's not some like big groundbreaking episode but what about you guys five or six i guess okay i'm gonna go with a six i'm gonna give it a seven to make me laugh okay <laughs> All right, now we're uh, moving on to the uh, very last episode in this batch. Um, and I'm, I do want to go into some details on the ending just for you guys who are listening to truly grasp just how terrifying this episode is. Um, so this episode is called The Glory of Emperor Tranza. Um, this episode is where, uh, after 10 episodes of ruling over the Vyrum, uh, we finally get our final defeat of Emperor Tranza. So in this uh, episode, uh, Tranza takes matters into his own hands, and uh, he creates this bazooka that he's able to 
used to turn the Jetman into trophies. Uh, he hunts them down one by one, um, slowly turning everyone into trophies until only Ryu is left. Um, Radigat, in his human form, helps Ryu get to Tronza, although Ryu doesn't know that he's Radigat. Um, and in the middle of the battle, Radigat takes on his human form again and, uh, you know, helps weaken Tronza. The Jetman defeat him with the fire bazooka, and he gets sent off the edge of a cliff. And here is where uh, we get to the uh, end of Tronza's arc. So here's exactly what happens. Uh, Tronza is defeated, and, you know, he's wondering how he could have been defeated. And then Radigat comes in, and he stabs Tronza in the hand and keeps, like, twisting the blade around. Like, it's really brutal. And he... Okay, this is something I forgot to tell you. Uh... Franza did something similar to Radigat in his first episode where, like, he's beating Radigat and he's saying, like, say my name, Radigat, and then Radigat is, like, Franza, and then and then, uh, Franza's like, no, say my name, and then eventually Radigat is forced to say Emperor Tronza. Well, Radigat is doing the same thing here. He is twisting the blade deep into Tranza's hand, saying, say, say my name, Tranza, and eventually Tranza is forced to say, Lord Radigat. Uh, brutal. Once again, just... There's cruel, sadistic, and petty, and then there's whatever the hell Radigat is. <laughs> um, <laughs> hate, 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 hate. <laughs> what's even more, and, but what makes this even more petty is that after hearing Franza declare him Lord Radigat, Radigat decides that he is not going to kill Tronza. He is going to let him live in fear for the rest of his life. Let him live in fear of Radigat for the rest of his life. And the final scene is uh, Tranza is this mentally broken and powerless man beyond repair who's living in a mental institution with no name and he sometimes just you know has like mental fits just screaming it's you know for kids this is a kid show yeah <laughs> very disturbing can i say one thing for a quick book before we uh probably get my thoughts on this yeah go ahead for i don't know why but for some apparent reason Freaking devastation from SPD. Just him saying, let the marinade in fear just went to my head. Like, let the marinade in fear. It just it popped in my head as soon as this scene happened. Mm -hmm. uh, but wow. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, Reddick is a monster. Like, this dude is a, this dude is a straight mm -hmm. savage. He literally let Tronza live, but he let him live in the worst way possible. At that point, if it gets to the point where I'm basically brain damaged, to that point where I'm physically and mentally tortured by this dude, just get rid of me. I'm sorry. I, I, I'd rather you just, rather you just kill me. Yeah, like, like Radicate took, took that say my name thing to, on a very personal level, and you could tell that he had been waiting to do this. Mm. <laughs> he he wanted to make Tranza regret ever doing that to him. Man, 
Taranza was terrifying in this episode. Oh, yeah. Just chasing them down on foot in casual clothes. Through the oh, yeah. Like this. Oh, man. This, this was probably, up to this point, maybe the best episode of the season because of how intense it was. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so starting off, Trans are really, again, up the threat level to make everyone freak out about him and make him wildly frightening. But Radigat has to one-up him again and become the biggest threat to the Zetman by defeating Tronza. Because for him to defeat a Tronza means that he's actually more powerful and more able than Tronza is. Like that that's frightening because up until now I was kind of expecting Tronza to be the final big bad of the season. I didn't expect Radicat to make a comeback. And because he didn't, and the way he broke Tronza, oh my god. Yeah. That that right there is amazing. And I'm honestly very excited to see how Radicat keeps it going in the finale arc. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start this off by saying 9.9. Yeah, this is yeah, this is as close to a ten as you're gonna get in this season for sure. Yeah, and honestly, my only complaint is that I'm really scared that we're not gonna be able to top this in the finale, and that this could have been the finale for the season, and I've been happy. Well, we'll see how it is. We'll see how you feel about the finale. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's going to be amazing, but I, right now my thoughts are you can't top this. So we'll yeah. see what they do. But I keep in mind, everybody who's listening, uh, that, that means that uh, of the original, so we started off with four Viram villains. One of them is now officially defeated. Like, he's no longer in play. So we still have three more left. Um. Radigat, Gray, and Maria. Uh, we'll see how they end up in the in-game arc. Yeah. Yep. Did you want to add? Uh, what did you want to give this episode, Anthony, for your rating? Oh, definitely a nine. Okay. I did want to uh, briefly dedicate a segment of this uh, to talking about Tranza, but I think we've covered Tranza in general throughout this whole review, so I don't think we really need to talk about him much more. Uh, he was just a great villain. Uh, in fact, I would, I would need to watch Live Man again, because it's been a while, but this might be, uh, the, uh, Yutaka Hirose, I believe his name was, uh, this might be his best villain performance, in my opinion. But I'll, I'll come back to that when we, uh, take a look at Live Man. Um, I think uh, I want to ask uh, Riz and Anthony this. Uh, has your opinion with how you previously ranked the Jetman characters, has it changed at all? No. No, I think I think it's still the same for me. Guy writes a 
Ryu Akokairi. Okay. Um, but uh, do you think that? I mean, you. I have to ask you this now, Riz. Like, do you think that Jetman has gotten a little bit better with these episodes? Because you were talking leaning toward it just being a little average with some great characters last time. Do you think that these episodes made you like it more? It's on the upper end of average right now because okay. of the last couple of episodes. So it's moving, it's trending up, but it's still not Gokai Senkenzer great to me. Okay. What are you thinking, Anthony? Riz pretty much summed it up as Literally what I was thinking about to say, so. Okay. Do we want to add any uh, closing thoughts before we, uh, as we're moving into the uh, endgame arc? Any I'm closing ready. thoughts? I'm okay. ready. Just a warning, Riz and Anthony, uh, the next two episodes are going to be incredibly emotional. That's uh, fine. This whole don't. Uh, don't, uh, <laughs> don't, no, I'm not ready. You saying, Patrick? Yeah, saying the whole ending for Jetman is pretty heavy. Yeah, like j- just to say this to Riz, like m- maybe the action and like how it is with like Radigan and Transa, maybe it's not that intense, but I think the end game arc is a huge emotional roller coaster. So it'll probably hit you on a completely different level, if you know what I mean. Would you say so, Patrick? Yeah, because the first time I watched through Jetman, I I kind of had my expectations for what the ending was going to be, and I none of that happened. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm ready. Let's do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's get, let's get it. All right, guys. Well... In our next video, uh, podcast, pardon me, uh, we will be taking a look at the last four episodes, the in-game arc of Jetman. So please join us for that uh, as we wrap up yet another, as we are going to be wrapping up yet another journey we've taken with the Tokyo Secrets podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed this. If you are watching this on YouTube, please uh, like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're not already subscribed. To those that listen to us on Spotify and iTunes, we appreciate your uh, your um, contributions. Uh, please check us out at AnimeSecrets.org and check us out on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all those other social media sites. Um, and if you're on YouTube, please uh, leave some comments down below on like uh, what other things you might would like for us to cover. Uh, once again, we thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. We are Tokyo Secrets, and we will see you next time as we wrap up Jetman. But until next time, we are spreading our wings and taking flight for uh, before we enter our the final descent of our journey. But until that time, guys, see you later.